This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, December 16th, 2021, and I have an excellent guest on the show. I have Mike Lowe of Pocket Lint here. Hi, Mike. How are you? Pretty good, yeah. It's the end of my day and the beginning of yours, which is kind of weird, but that's how technology works. Ah, you know, that's what happens with time zones. Sometimes I do the show with folks in Asia, and then we do it at night. I mean, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm glad you're on because the big news, I think, is the Oppo Find N. We, we touched on it last week because there was some leaks and, well, not leaks. I think it was more like a, a reveal or something from Oppo video. But I have one now. It's in the box. I just got it last night. I picked it up from DHL. <laughs> so I haven't had time to touch it, but it's ready to go. Right. I've read a few reviews or rather watched a few videos from the YouTube creators. Do you have yeah. one? Are you excited? <laughs> no. <laughs> What's your take on this? I was really hoping you were going to say, yeah, I've got one. It's in my hand. I can show you everything because mine is also in the mail. Yes. So I haven't touched it. I can't tell you what it's like, but it's on the way. But we have opinions because we've touched phones for decades together. Yeah, I, I'm interested in it because obviously this year particularly, it's been pretty big for foldables and you know, flexibles or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> I like so, that, flexibles. You know, it's um, it's cool. I like the fact there's another one that we can discuss and, you know, talk about. But will it be a, a kind of total sea change towards this whole foldable idea? I'm not totally sure. Does it bring anything massively new that's exciting beyond what we've already seen from Samsung? Well, I think you kind of answered that question by saying it's a slightly different form factor. I think this is the thing about this phone. Like, it looks like they made a shorter, slightly wider version of a Fold 3, and the end Mm -hmm. result inside is an almost identical screen and at least diagonal size, but it's much more of a almost square aspect ratio. I think it's 8.4 to 9. And the outside screen is a... Perfect. Do you remember the LG G6? 18 to 9. So perfect 2 to 1. Perfect mm-hmm. white. It looks so not long enough to me. Like not because the fold is overly long, but compared to even the average phone today, which is 20, 21 to 9. It's amazing how mm. we went from 16 by 9, right? Which yeah. seemed fine to a really stubby, uh, longer 18 by 9, you know to now we're used to 20 whatever and so i think it's i think it's cool i i like the idea that you can at least with the front reach the whole screen at least from my hands people are saying in youtube videos i watched that it's the same size as an iphone 13 mini the front okay so that's pretty interesting nice yeah i think we're gonna see i think we're gonna see a lot of companies exploring different sizes because this is that one kind of sector where it doesn't have to be 20 to 9. It does, doesn't have to be any one given thing. Yeah, there's no rule. Um, no, and, and actually, what is the right form factor? We haven't really figured that out yet, right? Because no. we've had phones from Sony that are like 21 by 9, too long. Um, Samsung Fold 3, it's really cool, but it's kind of like a tablet. Like, what? where does that fit? You know, I, I, I loved it, but I was slightly confused by it simultaneously. So... I think we'll see more things that fold in different directions and ways. And it's going to be interesting to see what comes. I think personally that I'm all for multiple flip formats. Like I like the fact that Samsung did the the flip phone versus the fold phone. I think that there's room for those two things. And it's interesting that Oppo is kind of coming in going, ah, we're going to kind of do the middle a bit, but it's leaning towards fold a bit more, you know? Mm. I think that's a clever thing. Also, if you think back, it's like every year Oppo, they announce something kind of different and exciting, usually at the Inno Day, which is when this has been released. Um, last year, it was the, I think they just called it the X, and it was the rollable. Right. It was the first functional, yeah. properly functional one that I've seen. And actually, when kind of lockdowns were lifted in London, that was the first meeting I went to in London, was to actually see that device. So it kind of sticks in the mind a bit more, because it's like, oh, I've gone to see people and stuff i'm jealous because i saw a bunch of you writing about that and doing Hmm. videos and i was like oh man so that also explains why some folks had their hands on and the others didn't i guess it's because they only did it in europe and maybe china right 
this uh, maybe, maybe. briefing. You know, I think that's what I like about Apple. I like that they have this thing every year where they're like, look, we're going to do something crazy. But in this case, it's a production device. Like, I mean, it's not coming to North America for sure. Is it coming to Europe? Do you know? Uh, maybe. This is always the thing. It's kind of like, it could. There's no reason it won't. But right. th- they'll never answer that <laughs> until later down the line. I mean, for us, it's certainly not coming. I mean, I, Oppo does not exist as a brand here. If it's coming to us, it's going to be coming as a OnePlus well, replica, right? I was going to say, um, OnePlus is changing, right? There's There's been some pretty clear changes with OnePlus and its software kind of approach. And I yeah. think... Across this year, we may see some consolidation of what that really means for Oppo and OnePlus. Is it going to be kind of taken into the Oppo brand? Is it going to be the other way around? Will you see, like you say, different versions in in North America? It's quite possible. I mean, that's what I could see happen. Otherwise, Hmm. this thing does have Google Play services from the videos I've watched. So my device should work here. I mean, 5G compatibility will not exist, but that's okay. LTE is going to be fine. Most of these Snapdragon-based phones support enough LTE bands that you can use them relatively well in North America. It's just some markets that have weird bands deployed extensively in suburbia in particular are a little more iffy. Um, But if you're in an urban center, you're going to get LTE and it's going to be fine. I use the Oppo Find X3 Pro, which, as you know, is not sold here as my main phone for part of the year. And yeah, it wasn't as ideal as using my Pixel 6 Pro or, you Mm. know, even my previous Pixel, which was not a 5G Pixel. But at the same time, you know, I think this is exciting to me because they're trying something different with this form factor. And they've packed a lot in there. The battery is actually bigger than the Fold's battery, which is mm-hmm. pretty impressive. It is a 4,500 milliamp. It's only 100 milliamp hour bigger. But considering the phone is physically formed, like probably in volume and, and in general surface area, a little smaller, you know. And then, of course, it's got a pretty interesting camera setup. I'm not sure why anybody's doing 2x telephotos anymore with these 50 plus megapixel sensors that zoom quite well at 2x if you'd yeah. use proper computational techniques. So that's a bit of a waste. 3x would have been nicer, and it's also not a very good sensor on that telephoto. But it does have that 50 megapixel Sony IMX766, and more importantly, it's got OIS, which, you know, obviously you're going to say, Miriam, it's a 1500, whatever, euro phone. It better have OIS on the main camera. But you know what? We've seen stupid decision made by manufacturers around that. And uh, the OnePlus 9 comes to mind. So yeah, what's your take on this camera system and the rest of the phone? Well, cameras in foldables are kind of... They use up a lot of space, right? Because you're talking about the battery and you want the big battery, but you don't want it to be really thick. Right. And it's quite common that you end up, you know, like thinking of the flip from Samsung, you fold it down and it's cool. It's a nice sort of sandwich, but it's quite thick, right? And I would want that kind of scenario where you've got, it's nice and thin, so you've got the space to put the battery in rather than the cameras. In a way, I think in the way that Google does so well, just put in one good camera, right? Like that's all most people really need. Yeah, I agree. But I think for that price, I expect a triple camera system. I I expect, you know, even better than the, like, I would have liked a, some sort of 3X or 5X folded lens as a telephoto, but that's just me. You know, I think you're right. It's a problem and it's tricky, but look, Samsung did a pretty good job with theirs. They, you know, right now, this this telephoto seems to be a bit of a token on this one, on the Oppo Find M, Mm. because it doesn't even have to seem to have OIS, which if anything, the telephoto should have, and Samsung does have. But if you look at the flip that Samsung makes, they did exactly what you suggested. They didn't have enough space, so they just give us two cameras. They're pretty decent, but they're not state-of-the-art. They're just kind of like Google, relying on a tried-and-true sensor, tried-and-true software stack, and the results are pretty decent because you got a lot of horsepower computationally behind it. I'm all for that, too. Like This did not have to have what it has. I would have been mm-hmm. happy with the dual 50 megapixel ultra wide and main with the same main that they have there now and maybe a slightly better ultra wide and we would have zoomed to 2 3x with the main sensor that would have been okay but I think it would have looked weird for Oppo to have a 1500 euro phone with only two lenses in the back you know 
especially as they're innovating so much in that space. They've yeah. done a lot of camera work in the past. Um, and you're right. Like ultimately, yeah, it's a, a foldable phone, but you want it to be a mobile phone, right? <laughs> First right. and foremost, you want all the stuff that comes with that. And 1500 I mean, it's big money, right? I mean, I think so, it, it translates to about 1500 euros slash dollars. I'm not sure exactly, but it's, it's, you know, it's nice that it's actually a little bit more affordable possibly than the Fold 3. So they're being competitive in a very typical Oppo kind of way. They also didn't give us an under-display camera, which I feel are not quite sorted out enough yet for me to to be on board, right? Generally not. I'd say the only decent one I've seen is from ZTE. Um, yes. In the Axon 30. I have that one, but it's still not good enough. Like try videos. Photos are okay because it does a lot of image processing on it to kind of de- yeah, yeah. de-screen the photo. But I did some selfie videos and I was just like, oh, wow. <laughs> you, you definitely see it, but I'd say it's at least twice as good as the Samsung version at the moment. Oh, 100%. That is sure. definitely the case. So, you know, I think... It's getting there. This is an interesting package. I can't wait to open this box today and make an unboxing video for your, the channel. <laughs> I wish I could say more. I wish I had it, like, here right now. Because... Is yours arriving tomorrow morning, you think? or uh, You never know with, with uh, you know, import, especially living <laughs> in the UK with Brexit and whatever. So it could be next week. <laughs> <laughs> I was in... Uh, in Los Angeles, well, in the area of Los Angeles, Palm Springs for a Mercedes event yesterday. So it arrived while I was gone. My spouse was out. My ring doorbell went off. I talked to my DHL guy on the intercom. <laughs> he knows me and he was like, I'll put it on the uh, pickup later pile when I get back to uh, the depot. And sure enough, on my way back from uh, L.A., I stopped by DHL and there it was. And then, of course, I didn't have time to touch it all night because, well, you don't, no. first of all, you don't want to do videos at night unless you have a special lighting rig, which I'm a big believer in natural light. All my unboxing videos are shot in natural light indoors, but like, you know, I don't want to add any kind of lighting. So I know I'm going to do this next as soon as this podcast is over. But the the thing is that uh, I think this is this has got me honestly very excited. It's like I played with the folds. I have a Z Flip because I think that's my favorite form factor right now of the two type. But this has me more excited about this kind of interim, if you want to call, or tweener form factor because <laughs> I just feel like I could actually make use of this now. It does. Uh. It fits my my requirements a little better, right? And I, I, I didn't think that I needed that. And then Oppo showed us that maybe, I, I well, I don't know. I have to use it, obviously. Yeah, we both do. Um, I think the only other thing, I'm surprised that they didn't actually launch the roller, the rollable phone, like the whole rolling phone thing. <sighs> I think Is it it's, not ready? Nah. Look, I hate to say this, but I'm on board for this. I want to see this happen. But the back of my mind, my engineering mind, because that's my background, is is screaming at this thing, going, no, there's, there's, no, there's no way we can make this happen yet. It's more about the foreign object problem. Like with a folding yeah, sure. phone, if you can fi- figure out the hinge, which they have in terms of like the glass folding in that spot repeatedly, which, you know, Samsung still has some issues with that because they fold pretty tight. And that's actually what interesting with Oppo is that they're following Moto steps in the fact that they're doing a teardrop fold inside the hinge rather than a sharper fold. So they have a supposedly less of a visible uh, fold in the middle of the screen. But the problem with rollables is you, you're going to be doing this along a big chunk of the screen and you're going to have dust and other stuff that's going to invariably stick to the material, which is a polycarbonate coated glass, right? That's why I'm like, I don't think they can do this reliably. Like you're going to eventually get scratches on the display from something getting in there, even something mild. I'm not talking about sand even. I'm talking about just everyday stuff that's going to yeah. continuously create like repeated wear in, in the area where the display rolls, I guess. So I know what you're saying for sure. And I remember seeing a TCL prototype as well. And that very, very clearly had that issue. Like it had, you know, horizontal scratching right across. You could see it in detail. Um, this one from Oppo, it, it had like a, a pretty intelligent way of kind of buffing away the stuff that could go in there. It can't be 100% good, but it was definitely a step forward. So I think once that's fixable, if that's even possible, then maybe that's the the next step in what we'll see. Oh, maybe. I think it's possible. 
I'm just not quite sure where they're at. I think we need a bit more material engineering on the display side. I think that mm. we have this promise of folding glass, which is really glass, and not just tiny particles of glass that happen to be thin enough to fold and are held in place by a polymer. Once we have that, once Corning can give us what the Holy Grail, which they've been working on, so it's only a matter of time, folding foams are no longer going to have cracks that are visible and rollable foams are not going to scratch. And we're going to have a ton of them in every shape or form. And there's going to be Z ones that fold in Z shapes, you know, like two hinges. There's going to be ones that hybrid roll and fold like that TCL one we saw. There's going to be mm -hmm. a bunch. And I think it's going to be a fantastic, exciting time. Yeah, it sounds cool. It's also going to be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it isn't everything. Everything right. worth paying for, right? That's how it goes. The other thing that surprised me, frankly, about this phone after our time in Hawaii together at Qualcomm was that they did not put a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 in this phone. You're going to say, well, it's been in development for a while, but I am still surprised because Oppo had announced, well, they didn't announce, but they implied they'd be one of the first with an uh, 8 Gen 1 phone. Moto's announced theirs. We know Xiaomi is going to drop you know, something very soon with the 12. Mm -hmm. And then I thought this was going to be Oppo's moment for that. No. So I think it was yesterday um, they confirmed that the next find flagship would be running MediaTek Dimensity 9000. Oh, my God. Well, that's a big yeah. piece of news. I have to add that to the roster. I missed that completely. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it came, came from MediaTek Direct. I um, can't remember who's in the quote, but it's someone high up in the company. And that's the statement. Um, it's a pretty big one because obviously... Oppo has also just um, developed its own silicon, uh, Mari silicon, I think it's right. called, which is six nanometer. Um, at the moment, it looks like that's just being used for signal processing for for camera stuff. So whether that's going to be in the Find X4 with the MediaTek stuff on the side, I don't know, like how they're going to figure that out. But yeah, I, I kind of wonder, is it is it Oppo's end of uh, Qualcomm's reign for them? I don't know. I'm not sure because I think we're talking about the Find X4. We want, I'm wondering what's going to happen with the Find X4 Pro. Often these things are staggered, right? We've seen it before where you get... Because we've seen this, right? Like we're, we're yeah. going to talk about the Vivo X70 series, you and I, mm. and one of them, well, there's multiple, but the two top ones have That's true. 888 yeah. and MediaTek Dimensity 1200. Uh, yeah, I think it's 888 plus. So I'm wondering if that's going to be the same deal. I, in fact, I would argue that... BBK Group in general, you know, Vivo, Realme, Oppo, OnePlus have been doing this kind of two-tiered approach this last six months with almost every flagship they've made, where the flagship flagship has a Qualcomm Snapdragon 888, mm -hmm. and then the MediaTek Dimensity 1200 is right in the model below every time. Which was the other one that was like that? Well, I guess you could say, putting aside the OnePlus 9, which I think is a odd ball sticks out in a bad way in the lineup of OnePlus because it's too expensive and it's missing significantly important features at that price point. Like it doesn't have a metal frame and it doesn't have OIS. If you take that aside, because that phone was, I think, honestly, completely just created for US carriers, the 9 Pro is 888 and the Nord 2 is 1200. And I think those mm -hmm. two phones make more sense than the 9 that's in the middle as the, the kind of the two of the range, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I don't know. I think often make makers kind of just scatter a load of phones in the market and go, there you go, take your pick. You've got 15 different options on the shelf. We can't go wrong. You've got to buy one of our phones. Yeah, BBK Group's doing that. Realme has like various versions with 888, then MediaTek 1200 for the non-pro. And so we've, we've seen this repeatedly. So, I'm reading this more as a, yeah, we're going to do, we're going to be one of the first at MNC 9000 in the same way as we're going to be one of the first with 8 Gen 1. <laughs> I think we're going to see both. Probably, yeah. yeah. Although Xiaomi seems to be the lead on that. That's, that's the, big, the big one, Xiaomi 12, as and when that happens. I think you're right. That's going to be the first, like, more global phone to launch. I mean, it's going to do China first, like last year, but just a few yeah. days later, it'll be global. Whereas I think that Moto X30 we saw is... China only, we're going to get some kind of other 30 edge 
device from Moro. <laughs> I could probably talk to you for, for hours about Motorola and its complexity of naming. <laughs> uh, I could go on, but... Let's not. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, we, we've talked about this offline, right? Like, I don't want yeah. to waste more podcast time ranting about Moto's naming strategy, and most importantly, the way they're making crappy products for the US market. It's just annoying me. But, um, I mean, you get the nice stuff. I saw your, your Moto Edge 20 at... Uh, you know, I, I think it was at the the, the MediaTek thing, and I, I know you said you dropped it and broke it right after. Oops. Yeah. Oh well. You know, that's why you're gonna get the next one now. It, it gave me an excuse to move on. You see, it gave me an excuse to move into my next phone. <laughs> yeah. So, what did you pick? I've always got like a whole section lined up, right? Um, yeah, I went me into too. The, the the Vivo actually. Okay. It so- just seemed a bit different this seems like a good segue to talk about that we're going to stay in the bbk land we're going to talk about oppo smart glasses after that but let's stay in bbk land you have the vivo x70 pro plus you're the first guest i've had that actually has one Mm -hmm. and i requested one and they said sorry miriam we don't have any left can we send you the x70 pro as a consolation prize and i said you know sure it still has the gimbal it still has the folded telephoto it still has a actually if you look at it it's very similar to the x60 pro plus before it because the x60 pro plus had a few flaws mm-hmm. i have that one and it came out six months before which is really weird i don't know why they came them so close together but anyway the x60 pro plus as a matter of perspective has the gimbal has a very large samsung gn1 sensor as a mm-hmm. main sensor 50 megapixel it has a 5x folded lens and it has that 2x portrait lens which is essentially a telephoto but without a ys and it does have the big missing feature for me which is wireless charging is missing that's the x60 pro plus and this is snapdragon 888 then with the x70 pro plus they seem to have solved all the things that i was complaining about they added ys to that portrait lens they put wireless charging in and they have their own isp i hear so I'm excited. So that's why I wanted one. And then the consolation prize, the X70 Pro, has a MediaTek Dimensity 1200. Ta-da. Yeah, but it yeah. has the same camera system, essentially, as the X60 Pro Plus. It basically has the non-OIS portrait lens, and it lacks the wireless charging, but it still has that big 50-megapixel sensor at a different f-stop, f of 1.8 versus 1.6 on the one you have. So there you go. That's... I'm glad you've got the very specific details because I was trying to wonder. But I'm a nerd. What are those? You know, it's me too. But I've got both in the boxes. When it comes to imaging, I'm really a nerd. Like when I, I memorize these things. Oh, that one. <laughs> that one. I have. I have them both in hand. I'm yet to get into the Pro, but the Pro Plus. So I've really enjoyed the the previous one, the X60 Pro. Mm-hmm. I I used it for quite a long time, and I didn't necessarily expect that I would. The Pro Plus or the Pro of the X60? Just the Pro in that case, yeah. Okay, it's interesting because I had both sent to me like you and I immediately left the 60 in the box, the 60 Pro, and I grabbed the Pro Plus. The reason I went for the Pro, well, they might not have sent me the other one. That could be the reason. Um, But it was pretty clear that was the one that would definitely be launching in the UK. So Ah. I wanted to have a reflection upon what you could actually buy. Right. Basically, yeah. And so going back to this, x70 pro plus how Mm. do you feel about this phone are you happy with the images you're getting from it i i feel kind of conflicted right um because i really enjoyed the 60 and then the fact this phone's come along what you're saying four maybe six months later it's really really close and it's kind of a bit perplexing as to why same chipset at least the 888 part it's 888 plus i think so it's that tiny tiny all right yeah yeah um and i found the software to be quite buggy and it's really annoying um like to the point that it can just crash you know or or just give you like a runtime error in an app when you're checking into like an airline flight or something wow yeah it's really annoying because the 60 didn't do this i didn't have problems with it in any regard so it's been really kind of grating me for like the weeks i've been using it but the cameras are really good so i've kind of stuck with it and and i was using it for weeks and even on those times where it's really annoying me I was like, oh, but the, the big camera is really good. And for video as well, that gimbal, and you've used the gimbal before, right? There is no it's other... It's so good, because I had the X50 Pro before that, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no other camera maker that, well, 
phone maker that I can think of that implements a system that's anywhere nearly as good as it. Like it's so good. I was using it for like quick Instagram video grabs rather than my DSLR because I could walk and and you don't even know you're walking. It's just so smoothed out, right? It's great. I know, it's, in- it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the reason to stick with it for sure. Like It's, it's amazing. Well, so here's my take on the 70 Pro non-plus. Mm-hmm. It's the one you might want to get out of the box since you have both because I have zero <laughs> software issues on mine. I wonder why. I- and really, the only differences are the four, the four things I'm going to list right now. F-stop is 1.8 on the main lens instead of 1.6. The 2X telephoto portrait is not stabilized with OIS. There is no wireless charging, and it's a MediaTek Dimensity 1200. Everything else is the same. Same display, mm-hmm. same you know RAM and storage configurations. It's quite big, isn't it? It's 6.8 inches, I think, from memory. Like the screen. Is it a little? Okay. It might be slightly different. I thought it was the same because I looked at the numbers. I didn't actually look at the display size. Good point. But I took it with me to Hawaii, and it was great. Mm. And um, I didn't make it my daily or anything. I had my Pixel still with me. But I just uh, felt that every time I used it, it chugged along just happily. And the photos it took were really solid with the caveat that, you know, it, I know it's not the best you know, compared to the Pro Plus, because, you know, it has, it's missing a couple of things. But in day-to-day use, I didn't notice any difference. And and I do kind of like the color science that Vivo has going. They have that collaboration with Zeiss, right? So right. There's, actually, there's actually a setting within, um, I think, the camera app where you can say have Zeiss natural color. So you can yeah. make it look less pronounced if you want more kind of classic photo. But it feels more sorted to me than the Hasselblad color science on the OnePluses. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think I wasn't totally taken by the OnePlus. Um, no. It, it just didn't feel quite um, cohesive across all of its different cameras. Whereas actually, I think this one particularly, because as we're saying, this has got four main cameras. So you get the, the yep. base super wide, which is 48 megapixel. Then you get the 2X, which I think is 13, and the 5X, which is 8. Um, and you can really pinch between all of that quite naturally. The finishes look pretty similar. The quality isn't the same because it's just not going to be. But like right. even still, like the fact you can get like a five times proper zoom. And I was like shooting someone on stage and it, yeah, it's a bit grainy, but like it's usable. It's pretty decent. I mean, I was comparing it to the 4X on my Pixel and it was holding up most of the time. It started falling apart a bit in low light because, you know, yeah. eight megapixel. But um, I, look, I think it's a fine phone. Again, you know, using this in the US is a lost cause. You don't get 5G, limited LT support, etc. But I still think that if you don't live in North America, you know, and you maybe can't afford the Pro Plus, I'd say go for the 70 Pro regular. And yeah. uh, for me, it's a while it's charging. I just wish these phones, like I wish that BBK Group in general once their phones cost over five, six hundred dollars, automatically come with wireless charging. And Xiaomi as well. I don't know. I feel like it's time, you know, Apple has the iPhone SE that has wireless charging at $400 for 50, whatever it is, you know, and uh, yeah, Google doesn't do it either at the cheaper price points, but I, I just feel like it's, it's such a cheap thing to add and it's not like you need it. Like you've, especially when you have 65 watt charging or something, but it's nice to have because a lot of cars have wireless pads and yeah. you know, even if you don't have one in your home, I think chances are if you have a car that's anything in the last two, three years, you're going to have a wireless cheap pad in there and you'll want to use it. Good for Starbucks. Well, that too, but it's especially <laughs> if you're using Android Auto, right, in your car, you don't want to plug in. It's wireless Android Auto. You just plop the phone on the Qi charger. It keeps it charged while you're doing your thing in this infotainment. And I know I'm looking at it from a car perspective a bit, but I've had wireless cheat chargers all over my house like you probably have from for years, from the days of Nokia back in, you know. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of mine are in the boxes because I, I don't use it that much. Like, I think also we're at a point where, particularly with the car thing, not every single Android Auto system is wireless at the moment. Like, some manufacturers are still... That's of... true, but most of them are. And yeah. I would say that, you know, it's going to become a thing in the next two years. For sure. It has to. It has to. So that's why I'm like, come on, you know, BBK Group, we love you. You could preempt this a little bit by, I'm not asking you to do that at the, you know, those kind of budget 
mid-range, premium mid-range phones, but maybe at the entry-level flagship level, like the OnePlus 9, which in the US has wireless charging, but not all regions. But like this, this X70 non-pro could have had it. Thinking of some Xiaomi phones I recently reviewed, like the Xiaomi 11T Pro, you know, mm-hmm. it could have had it. It's almost the same price as the Mi 11, and yet in some ways is inferior. It doesn't have OIS again as well, like a plastic frame. Like, why would you spend not spend 30 quid more and get the Mi 11 that's six months older, but has a metal frame, a quad HD display, OIS on the main lens, and wireless charging? Like, I don't understand Xiaomi's strategy with the T-series this year. I reviewed that recently for Geekspin, and I was just like scratching my head. But let's get back to Oppo real quick and mention this um, pair of glasses or whatever. No, not pair of glasses. It's more of a, like Google Glass, one-sided monocle smart glass AR device that clips onto a custom pair of glasses. It doesn't work with any glasses, right? I've not seen this in detail yet. This is the air glass, right? Yeah, the air glass. That's what it's called. Thanks for mentioning it in words. <laughs> well, basically, I think uh, the story here on I'm going to link to a whole bunch of pocket lens stories about the stuff we're talking about. It looks like it's basically a, you know, a heads up display like Google Glass was. But instead of being a, an independent product, it comes with a pair of glasses. But I think you have to use their pair of glasses and you can unclip the AR part anytime you want. Yeah, I'm reading I'm reading it now. So it's uh they call it an assisted reality display, which Ooh. is uh it's a monocle style display designed to fit on custom spectacle frames <laughs> so that so it is custom sounds a bit crazy um <laughs> like i i'm never totally sure about this whole augmented reality kind of reality <laughs> because go back to google glass days right yeah that was that was cool that was exciting total flop it, it, it couldn't ever go anywhere and then you know it's reignited as an idea for business which actually is really intelligent and it works really well but in a consumer space I just don't really see this as ever being a thing, personally. That's- no, but this is China only, and it's, you know, it's in no days of up. I mean, it's it's worth mentioning. I'll link to a story. I, I feel like Google Glass, I have a I have a pair. I bought one. I still have it. It's a waste of money, but... Did, did you get the day one? Were you day one? No, I was day one. Oh, uh, not the Explorer. Oh, well. But I feel that it was a cultural disaster more than a technical disaster. I think it worked... Battery life, for the technology for the time, battery life obviously was a challenge, but considering what technology it packed, it it was the beginning of HDR plus in the computational, you know, pipeline of Google. Like that five megapixel camera on there, which was tiny and crappy, took incredibly good photos. I have so many good photos I took with my Google Glass, just wearing them. Mm. And for that alone... I think technologically we can say it was a success. Sure, the battery life was the biggest challenge, but put today's chips in there and it would be perfectly fine. I think it's more like the way they introduced it and what it meant culturally very quickly, especially here in Silicon Valley, which destroyed it. People got so up in arms. Look, you don't see people freaking out about the Facebook glasses as much, you know, the the Ray-Bans. Like, I mean, obviously people are like rolling their eyes and dismissing them and you don't see them out there very much, but certainly I haven't seen them in public yet. But my point is that you don't see the same outrage you saw back then, right? Like there was something that got triggered in our consciousness because of the way they marketed and approached it that that broke it for everyone. And I think that is the biggest challenge we have with AR on glasses. I think in a way, it might be that there were just things that weren't really considered. And actually, I remember seeing all these like signpostings outside cinemas and stuff saying, you know, yeah. you can't you can't come in or like bars saying you know, Google Glass out. And it was, yeah, like a whole kind of removal of this section of people that wanted to wear it. It's like, okay, didn't see that coming. But I can understand why in, in some regard, but it was a privacy thing, right? And and most of these products are now not aimed at that category. They're, they're trying to be different. 100%. I, I understand why mostly because of the way they mar- it was marketed and the way there was a separate device that you could clearly see the person wearing. Whereas a pair of glasses, you know, in this case of these, it looks like it integrates really nicely with those custom glasses. It's, you know, it's there, but it's not obvious. You know, and the same way with these Ray-Ban Facebook glasses, you know, they look like Ray-Bans. And so people are not going to be quite as 
you know, on their, you know, on their toes about them. And I think it was a faux pas the way they, the way Google marketed it and the way the founders back then were, as you know, were still in the public eye, Sergey and Larry were, were portraying them. I think that, you know, rubbed people the wrong way. And now we're kind of, it's a, it's a bummer because going back to what I was mentioning, I was in LA for a Mercedes thing. You know, this car I drove, the EQS, it's my third time driving it. It has the first use of AR I have used that actually works and seems like a future thing today. It it has a heads-up display like many cars, but this is the biggest heads-up display in the world. It literally covers a quarter of the windshield. It's color high resolution, and it actually draws arrows on top Mm -hmm. of reality where your car should go for navigation. Because it, you don't have to worry about head rotation, right? It's always in the same spot in the car. If you are sitting more or less in front of this heads-up display, you will see a big blue arrow that grows in size as you get closer to your turn and points you in the right way. And if you have multiple lanes to choose from, right, it, it actually shows you the lane superimposed on top of the real world accurately every time. So I've seen... That's amazing. I've seen a similar system, but perhaps not to the same scale. I think it was with Audi, just on the heads-up display, right? And I kind of, I appreciated what it was trying to do, but I found it quite disorientating because you get like the the blue arrow kind of curving going, you know, there's a bend coming up. It's like, I'm not a rally driver. I'm just going <laughs> to turn the car like normal. But the fact it's moving, very sort of visibly moving, I just found that quite distracting and strange. I think it's a learning curve. This one's more like steady and it grows in size. And if you start driving like left or right a bit, it continues following, pointing at the right thing. That's the thing that surprised me the most about it, how accurate it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it sticks with the object in real life very accurately. And, okay. and for that, and it wasn't too distracting. So my point is, if we can have this in a pair of glasses, like the ones you're wearing or the ones I'm wearing, for those of you watching the Patreon video right now, yeah, it's that's kind of what I want. I, I want that level of AR, but but in a kind of corner of my eye way. And this, the thing, the reason yeah, it yeah. works with the heads-up display, it's really low. It's that bottom driver's side quarter of the, of, of the windshield. Mm. And it's floating 12 feet ahead of you, so you don't feel like it's in your face. Mm. I would use that for Google Maps directions. Exactly. That'd be great in like a foreign city. That'd be perfect. But I don't want the the social stuff to come with it, right? Like we're talking about Google Glass and so on. I feel like there's so much discussion at the moment about metaverse and and such like that it's all getting a bit lost and a bit confused, I think. And, and For sure. I just want something that could be simple and straightforward and does something really well. And that, that hasn't happened yet. So no. maybe this is the one. Who knows? I doubt it. <laughs> Me neither. What I really want is navigation like you discussed, but I also want, you know, remind me who that person is. <laughs> you know, remind yeah. me what did we talk about last? When's the last time I saw them? What's the context? That would be for me a lifesaver because I meet so many people as a journalist, you know this. We meet so many yeah. people. Eventually you get to know who they are and you remember them and you remember their lives. But it takes a while. Like I'm not good with names. I'm not good with faces. And I feel it's very nice to have that personal connection with people. I wanna, I wanna remember what their kids are doing or whatever they told me. But I'm very poor at that. So for me, an assistant in my AR device would be that kind of like extra memory module. You know, short of being jacked into the matrix, I'd be able to recall things. And eventually, I wouldn't really needed for that person right and he would Hmm. maybe i might dismiss it i'm like oh that's mike yeah i know mike i know what he does it's cool you don't have to overlay mike anymore but if you could overlay that guy i met yesterday at the mercedes event that would be cool (laughs) i think it's a really interesting idea it's quite it's quite a dangerous idea at the same time though isn't it like how far can you take that is there a point where actually oh for sure there's so many implications i'm but i'm not here to worry myself about that you see i'm I'm here to worry (laughs) myself about the tech and I think that's the biggest problem is that we need people to worry. We need the engineers. We need those startups. We need Silicon Valley to care about this stuff. And um, yeah. Let's rapid fire through some news items, leaks and stuff. It's not super exciting. But I just kind of want to mention them. There's Galaxy S22 colors and storage options leaked out there. Um, this was on Pocket Now. And basically, 
you know, it's just uh, more renders, more leaks. Clearly, this thing is coming soon. I'm pretty sure we're going to get the S21 Fan Edition at CES or nearby that time frame. Uh, I have not heard anything from Samsung, but they don't talk to me, so I don't know. And then the S22, I figure we'll get shortly thereafter. But yeah, the colors look okay. The storage options are what you expect. I'm pretty sure this is going to be Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. I wouldn't be surprised. You, you know, would would you be surprised if they come out with a Dimensity 9000 on those? That would <laughs> not happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that'll happen, but it'll be the usual split of Exynos in, in Korea and uh, Qualcomm elsewhere, I think. 100%. That's what it says here, in fact. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> People get excited about the, the Galaxy flagship, right? So any little bits of news, whether it's colors, finishes, like yeah. rumors of stylus. Well, that's why I brought it up, because it's intensifying constantly, and this seems yeah. to be uh, worth mentioning. Speaking of other leaks, and we talked about Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 devices on Pocket Lint, you folks wrote about a Xiaomi 12 Ultra leak it was a case for that which showed a whole bunch of different camera openings in the case with a circular it kind of reminds me of the mate 40 pro which by the way i'm recording backup audio with right now for those of you watching on patreon again um yeah so you know what's your take the ultra last year well this year i should i should say was a pretty great phone in my opinion i loathed it (laughs) oh really (laughs) Yes, because the software was completely broken and it had huge issues with touch on the screen that wouldn't register properly. That's interesting. I didn't have this issue at all. Other people did, not too many, but I was back and forth with Xiaomi about it and it, it was clearly a problem that wasn't necessarily solved. Ah, oh, interesting. I know a lot of people love that phone and I got a lot of kind of attacks about <laughs> how attacks. I didn't like it. And I was oh, like, no. oh, guys. Yeah, that's how it is. But the... The 11, the 11 Ultra, the the one from this year, um, had a, a rear screen, right, on, the, on yeah. the camera. This, as in the 12 that's coming, the 12 Ultra specifically, doesn't have that screen anymore by the looks of things, right? So the big circular emblem on the back, there's no space for a screen in there. So they, they've done away with that idea. Um, this is a totally different approach. You know- and also... There's no um, similarity with the Ultra and the other models in the range at all. It's just okay. completely different. So, Interesting. Yeah, it's not going to be, well, it's going to be very standout. Um, I think Chinese companies making big circular emblems on phones seems to be very late 2021. <laughs> I've got um, yeah. the Honor in my hand just randomly because it's on my desk. Yeah, I've got one somewhere in my drawers over there. Small circles, but you know, um, there's definitely a theme. It's kind of a thematic thing. So this one though looks like it dominates the rear. There's yeah. something like eight eight different openings in it, and I can't work out what they're all for yet. <laughs> Sensors. I mean, these cases. I don't like cases like that that have like you know individual openings. I want a case that has a rim around the camera pod, and then you know leave the whole thing open. Looks much yeah, better. Yeah. But it's good to know because this case tells us roughly that there's a lot going on back there and there's no screen back there. And, um, you know, honestly, I didn't think the screen was that great. What I was very excited about was the performance of the camera system. And I didn't have any issues with touch or software. And so I really thought that was one of my favorite phones in terms of photography this year, up there with probably the Vivo X70 Pro Plus, if I had one, or the Pixel 6 Pro, or, you know, the iPhone 13 Pro, etc. Yeah, so that's an interesting little tidbit. And then we've got uh, Huawei P50 Pocket teaser. So Huawei on Weibo in China has teased a Galaxy Z Flip competitor on the P50 line called the P50 Pocket. Yep. So, okay. I just wanted to mention <laughs> that, meaning keep an eye out if you want more folding phones. It looks real. There's there's some leaked images of the actual device. It looks... Um perfectly nice it looks really good um but obviously huawei it's kind of yeah it's kind of a lost cause but end of an era yeah be interesting what specs this thing comes out with and how they manage to still put this together somehow i don't know i'm i'm look i want them to i'd love for the band to lift and them to be back they made so much good stuff i love their camera system still today I, I think for me, like the the P thirty Pro was was the ultimate pinnacle, the pinnacle. Of, of camera photography at that time. You know, um, which was what like three years ago, something I like that. I think 
P40 Pro Plus for me was even better. However, with no GMS, it's blocks cause. Yeah. But it is definitely an improvement over the P30. And, uh, you know, I mean, we could go on here and lament for hours. But um, let's see what Honor does since they seem to still be doing phones that are awfully similar. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, su- surprisingly similar. Yes. Yeah. I'm a, I'm at first, I was like, okay, because, you know, there was some, takes time to develop your own stuff. But, you know, even you look at Realme versus Oppo, right? And even there, like, we know the chassis are slightly different, but the guts are essentially the same in terms of spec sheet. If BBK can do this in-house with sister brands, how is it that Honor 50 and Huawei Nova 9 are exactly identical? And the software is even identical, except one has GMS and is called something else. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's awfully eyebrow-raising. So let's see what happened to 60, although the Honor 60, frankly, looks just like a rehashed Honor 50 with a few different specs, right? Yeah, it's the same phone with like a sparkly glass back. It's pretty much the difference, right? <laughs> yeah, no. When we talked about it on the podcast two or three weeks ago with my guests, we were like both scratching heads going like, wait, let's go through the specs. Wait, it's the same phone? What? We yeah. couldn't figure it out. Before we jump into your Microsoft Surface Go 3 review, I just want to mention uh-huh. quickly that my OnePlus Buds Z2 review is up on hothardware.com. <sighs> These buds, have you played with them? No, I've not. A colleague of mine has, but I haven't yet spoken to him about it. Did you play with the Z last year? The Z? <laughs> nice, nicely correct. Because I'm Canadian, I should be saying it properly, right? Even I adapted earlier and said ZT. I should have said ZT, but you know, I, I'm trying to manipulate. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, so here's a quick, I'll let you read it because I want, I want to hear your Microsoft stuff. But in a nutshell, the Z series, the Z series are basically, you, we had four earbuds now. We've had the, the OnePlus Buds, which I thought were great. I'm very picky about sound and I thought they sounded great. Of course, they were, they didn't have silicone tips. So they, the sound varied highly with the fit and the shape in your ears. So mm-hmm. some people hated them. Some people loved them. But it's true for all earbuds. But in particular, I think it was very, very polarizing because they sounded different because you can't get a consistent fit without without silicone tips. So that's the OnePlus Buds. They were great, I thought. Then the Blood Z came along with silicone tips, no ANC, nothing like that, last year. And they were like a detuned, cheaper version. And honestly, they were pretty good. A little bass heavy for my liking. I'm not into that. But I gave them a, a pass. I reviewed them. Then we got the pros this summer and I was disappointed. Like they just don't sound good to me. I just don't, like the ENC is great. It's got wireless charging, but for $149, it's too much. You can get the ear one from nothing. Mm-hmm. You can get the TCL Move Audio S600 for $99, which both of these have AMC and wireless charging and sound significantly better out of the box before having to tune them or do anything. So at that point, I felt that, like the OnePlus 9 in many ways, that OnePlus lost the plot, that they were trying to position themselves more premium, more like AirPods Pro territory, but not really delivering the goods to match that, and then had competition at lower prices that did better job. So the Z2 are kind of like, they took the Pros and cheapened them, right? And mm-hmm. kind of like the Zs took the originals and cheapened them. And so these are all physically almost virtually identical to last year's Z. So that's actually an interesting thing because the, the pros this summer were not looking at all like the original buds. They were very much their own thing. Whereas this is very much like you, if you put them side by side, you wouldn't know which one is which. It'd be hard for you to tell. But they have ANC, but no wireless charging, and they cost 99 US dollars. And again, at 99 US dollars, I can get a pair with wireless charging in these TCLs and the Nothing Ear ones. So OnePlus, what are you doing? The good news is that they sound pretty much like the Zs from last year. So I feel they sound better than the Pros, not as good as the originals, but I have ANC. And so, you know, if they go out on discount on sale, then maybe they'll be a, they'll be a good deal for some people. But you know, I can't help that I have, so I have them here. For those of you watching on video on Patreon, and I have the uh, these Realme's, Realme Buds Air Two, 
And those things are $49 and have ANC as well. They're essentially wow. identical, except this is $50 less and sound better out of the box. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, again, what is OnePlus doing here? Like, do you think that we're going to see a rectification of their strategy for 2022? Because I feel that they've got lost, at least for the US stuff this year. Like, it's too expensive, not competitive enough. They're cutting out features that we expect at that price point. And Google just ate their lunch, basically. Yeah, I think the company is quite fundamentally changed over the, the course of its life, right? You think back to OnePlus One was Cyanogen mod, you know, super, super different to what we've, we've come to now over the course of what, something like seven years, five years, I can't remember. Um, OnePlus has fundamentally changed. It was this super affordable flagship style device, and now the price has crept up and up and up and up. and They've started to cannibalize Oppo's market, which is effectively the same as OnePlus. Yeah. See, for us, it's different. We don't get that. So for me, I, all, all I see is that, you know, why wouldn't I buy the Oppo product if I had more money? And why wouldn't I buy the Realme product if I had less money? You know, they're better in some ways at their respective price points than the OnePlus product. Yet here, we only get the OnePlus product. So, you know. We'll see what changes. I think this could be the year when things are going to, yeah. I think they got the message. I feel like, Every time I talk to the OnePlus PR folks, they're aware, I think, that there was a misstep in 2021 for their product line, at least in the US. And I think they're going to rectify that next year. They have the potential to do it. They have tons of devices that are fantastic. It's just a matter of like, I'm not against them re-manipulating re and engineering the lineup between those three brands. And of course, in this Vivo on the side and EQ, I have a bunch of their phones too. Well, how do you say that? I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I'm not even sure. <laughs> but I feel like, oh, I just want I just want OnePlus. I'm not asking for OnePlus to become the value leader, but I want them to be competitive and not cut features out that are critical, like OIS on that OnePlus 9 or, or plastic frame. Like on the Nord 2, that's fine. You're trying to hit a price point, cut corners where it matters, but don't cut corners on a flagship, even if it's the lower flagship of the I two. Think just, just rub me the wrong way. There's just too many versions of, of their devices, right? So hopefully yeah. with the OnePlus 10, which should, I think, launch in early 22, um, maybe maybe even January, get that right and do that in two different versions and you're, you're, you're good, right? Do you think we're going to get it that early this year? I think it'll be early, yeah. I think so. Hmm. Um, wow. That's the rumor. That's, that's the, that's we're going to be busy. Usually we kind of chill out between CES and Mobile Congress, but not this year, huh? If if these things happen, <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping everything happens and goes ahead. Well, I mean, I'm going to see us for sure, but you're right. MWC is still up in the air, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'll be at CES too if uh, if Britons aren't banned from America by that point in time, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> right. I've got a ticket, so that's a good start. So Microsoft Surface Go 3, you reviewed it. I'm just hmm. bringing it up. I know it's not the newest thing, but you recently reviewed it. And, you know, it seems to be the forgotten child of the entire lineup this year. And I'm glad you, you you took it for a spin. Tell us what you think. I like the original Go. I never played with the second one, but yeah. So it, you've kind of summed it up pretty succinctly there. It, it is. So if we point back to when the whole Microsoft showcase happened this year, they launched or they announced so much cool stuff for the US market in particular, because you guys get it way before we do, which is why this review mm -hmm. seems a bit a bit late, because we get the product later. And then at the end of all of that, it was like, oh, and here's the Go 3, which is basically exactly the same as the Go 2. Almost nothing is different. And because <laughs> of the passage of time, it's just not as exciting now, right? It's not as cool. It just it, It's kind of like a Go 2 with Windows 11, pretty much. So, so they even they haven't even updated the processors or anything, or given it a 120 hertz display or anything. They have changed the processors. They're, they're okay. slightly they're slightly upgraded, but I think it's still from memory. I think it's a Pentium Gold at the the baseline one. So it's like it's not great. I had um, a Core i, so it was it was better, but it doesn't perform that well. And and the thing is, I think because I love Surface, I think the the whole product line is fantastic. Like yeah, Microsoft has figured that out. They've got the design down so well. Um, but not so much at the bottom end of it. And I think they need to focus on that premium sector they do so well. Um, and the Go is kind of a little bit at the end, maybe at the end of its life. I don't know. It, it has some value proposition, but I kind of felt like I would prefer to have a Chromebook, you know, and that's kind of saying something. 
I feel the same way. I mean, I really liked the Go when I had it, but I didn't like it enough to go like happy, happy, joy, joy, as it were, if you're a Ren and Stimpy fan. But it, it just, it, it's just there. It's, it's not a bad thing, but it's so forgettable in some ways, you know? Yeah. Especially when you have, as you said, those Chromebooks. Like, I have one of those two-in-one convertibles, essentially a tablet with a fabric case keyboard thing from uh, Lenovo, the super cheap one. I can't remember what it's called. It's like 250 US dollars, MediaTek powered. Duet, I think. And it's just the same experience as a Surface Go, but it's, of course, not running Windows. So it's a Chromebook. So if you can adjust to that, I think it's a much better deal and and a great experience. Honestly, I was surprised how well that thing runs with just four gigs of RAM, actually. Yeah. Don't go tab crazy and then you're okay. <laughs> thinking um thinking backwards as well, like obviously the previous version of Windows, there were different versions, right? So um the Go 2 launched with 10S. Right. Which was quite limiting because obviously you can't install, you know, proper executable files. But then it's kind of not powerful enough to really worry about that either. So with the three, it's on Windows 11, it's wide open, you can do what you please but if you did install photoshop you're probably not going to have a very good experience at all so it's not it's not really designed for that but then this is kind of my conundrum with it it's like it's nicely designed it, it works perfectly fine for like word processing you can browse a bit it's, it's fine but right. by the time you add a keyboard and you add the stylus and stuff you spent quite a lot of money and, and actually i would probably just either spend that bit more and go to the more premium surface products which are fantastic or, or just go on a tangent and, and buy something different entirely. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I wanted to love it because I, I preferred the original at the time. It just made much more sense to me. And then over the course of time, I feel like it's it's the one thing in the Surface series that hasn't really kind of properly leapfrogged forward and it's, it's not selling itself any better to me now. So, you know, it has some pros, but not enough to, to really kind of recommend it. Yeah. I will link to your review in the show notes, folks. Uh, check out Mike's work there. Dell Concept Luna is the last thing we have on the list. What's uh-huh. your take on that thing? Is, is it just like pie in the sky renders at this point, or do, we, do you think they're serious about this? I think it's it's conceptual, right? So the big word of this year, sustainability, right? Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. So <laughs> it's, it's important because it just is, right? But mm-hmm. I think companies are using it as partially an excuse to try and kind of market and sell things um which is kind of a backwards approach to what sustainability is because if you're making more product and you're churning out more stuff in boxes and shipping it it's not really sustainable in any regard so i can see the angle they're coming at but if you think of modular devices that have existed in recent years like they just it's never really taken off you go to motorola with the um whole mods the mods yeah it's just they've quietly sort of hidden themselves away that seems to be end of life you think of even things like um what was that laptop that came out recently which was pseudo modular and easy to repair um i covered it on the show i can't remember acer has one um that's like this was like some new new company we never heard of before uh, okay and they it's mostly a pretty standard laptop but mm. looking, but you can open, everything is replaceable. And like, you know, it's, I fix it as like one of their partners and they have a little base where the ports would be that you can interchange the modules. So like it comes with, you know, USB-C, but if you want to replace it, you just pull the thing out and put a USB-A in there or an HDMI or whatever. Oh man, let me look it up. I'm going to, I'm going to Google it while you talk about. Do it, do it. All um, the failed Acers and Motors and. <laughs> Google, remember what was that Google thing again? The the phone project, the modular. I can't remember. With a laptop though, there's a there's a limit to how much you can replace stuff in the future, right? So, the idea is kind of sound, but to what degree of cost is it going to be to replace something really important? And then, you know, you think about the latest Apple MacBooks. Everything's soldered together, right? So that has to be not practice, right? That has exactly. To be, so that that's a whole other hurdle and different discussion, really. So I think in, in Dell's version, the concept is kind of sound, but at the same time, in laptops, I don't think this is something that's going to necessarily take off quite so well. In other product areas, it does make a lot more sense. So Banger Olufsen, for example, they've got now modular speakers where you can change out the hardware 
that's kind of core in the center of it. Um, and that would avoid issues that we've had with, say, Sonos, who couldn't support the latest software on on um, older products, for example. So if you don't go and buy a Bang Olufsen speaker that costs you three grand or whatever, in the future, yeah, you've yeah, still got absolutely. the same speaker quality. And speakers are different because they are consistently good. You've got speakers from the 1970s that still sound incredible. So in certain product areas, I think it's it's spot on. It'll work perfectly well. In laptops, not yet convinced myself, but uh, at least they're looking into the idea. And I think it opens a discussion. You know, people need to think about this and, and talk about it and work it out. What, what's the solution? I think it's important. The laptop I was talking about is called the Framework Laptop. I have not heard of that. If you Google it, you'll, you'll see. It is basically a modern laptop. It's pretty thin, pretty light. It's got all the features you want. But everything about it is pretty modular in the sense like it, very much like the, the Fairphone, you know? And uh, in a sense, you can repair it easily. Memory and, and storage are not soldered on. I think Wi-Fi is not soldered on. Battery is replaceable. Motherboard is replaceable. Screen is replaceable. And of course, you got these cool little modules for you know, the USB ports and the various ports. I, I'm, looking, I'm looking now. It, it looks exactly like a, a MacBook 12-inch. Yeah. And iFixit, of course, is all over it. But I think it proves that it's feasible, right? Like I know a couple of people who have this laptop, um, not not good friends or anything, but a couple of YouTube creators such journalists. And I think it's like, it feels and is just like any normal Windows laptop, but they know that if they want to, they have options for these ports that are essentially modular user replaceable. And if they want to open it up, they know that they can replace uh, the SSD and the RAM and, you know, fix the motherboard or whatever, assuming like Fairphone, that they stick around long enough for the parts to be available. But, you know, again, they're partnering with iFixit for that. So I think there's something to be said there, you know, but you're right. Like if you want something more rugged and reliable long-term and also aesthetically more compact and solid and chunky, mm. the Apple way is the way to go. Everything's soldered on. Everything is really tight. And, you know, I'm a Mac user. I'm on board, right? Like, Same, I can't right? argue there. So it, it's, it's kind of got worse over the course of time for the, the kind of everything's being condensed into like a singular piece almost now. Um, but the products are good. Um, they don't last forever, but then nothing does. And I, I, I'm not sure that a modular laptop would also last forever, right? So no, no. If something breaks, can you fix it? Maybe, but not necessarily. And then right. you've got a whole other can of worms that you've opened. So I don't know. I, I get the idea. I like it as an idea, but I'm not sure. And also from a consumer perspective, if you go to a store and you want to buy a laptop, you don't want, let's say you're not very tech savvy. You don't want to open it up. You don't no, want to ever no, look inside not. it, right? You just want to use no, it. I agree. But I, I do feel that having repairability in mind is, is a good thing. And there might be a middle ground to be had there. And I'm not sure how we make that happen, but. Well, then in Europe, there's legislation coming through that kind of enforces right. it has to happen. So not that we're in Europe yeah. anymore, but hey. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, the, there's some things changing from, you know, top down through companies and through governments. So that there's, it's being thought about. Well, I think this is a good way to end the show. Hope is the way to end the show. Hope for a better, sustainable tech future. Yeah. Mike, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet? All your various social media handles, also maybe uh, give a Pocket Lint a shout out. Yeah, so you can find me on Pocket Lint, which is pocket-lint.com, uh, where I'm the reviews editor. I look after everything we review. I'm not a massive social media guy. I tend to stick with uh, Twitter, where I am Mr. Mickey Lowe, um, which is L-O-W-E. And that's where you can find me. Fantastic. Folks, follow Mike on Twitter. And you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl, that's T-N-K-G-R-L, both on Instagram and on Twitter. If you want to chat about this podcast with me and Mike, hit us up on Twitter with your questions, your comments. My handle, Tankerl, is like uh, the comic book character Tankerl without the vowels. That's how you'll remember it. Instagram is where you'll find pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones. A lot of pictures of cars taken with phones, of course etc. You know that there is a couple of YouTube channels that go with this podcast, youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast is the main channel where I have unboxing videos, etc. Keep an eye out for the Oppo Find N unboxing soon. And uh, there is uh, youtube.com slash mobile tech more, which is the additional channel for all the, the meta stuff, the travel tech, car tech, accessory tech, all the stuff that lives around the smartphone, but isn't directly directly related 
You know how YouTube works. So like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the notification icon, do all that good stuff. Uh, comment, let me know what you think, and I'll be there. Also, the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. So if you are following Mike here for the first time and you want to subscribe, you can go there, but you can also just go to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, everywhere good podcasts can be found. So please subscribe and tell your friends. And if your app lets you rate or review the show, please do that. That helps for people to discover the show. I'd appreciate it. I also have a Patreon. I've mentioned it a few times on the show. It's been going on for months now, but I think a lot of people don't seem to know that it exists because I always do the promo at the end. So if you want to watch this podcast on video ahead of the audio version a little bit, like a day or two, kind of more raw, less edited, check out the Patreon. There's a tier for that. You get to watch on video before everyone else and instead of the public audio version. Patreon.com slash tanker. That's patreon.com slash TNKGRL. There's also a Discord server you can join if you want to chat with me about anything in a more direct way than Twitter. Yeah, check it out. Help me out. You know, this uh, is a labor of love for me. I write reviews to other publications because that pays the bills. The podcast is uh, kind of breaking even. So if you want to help, that would be great. Patreon is one way. And the other way is PayPal. There is a PayPal link in the show notes. You can click through that, make a donation. I got a donation this past week. Thank you so much. You know who you are. I appreciate you. And I appreciate all my patrons. Thanks for joining, folks. I don't have anybody new this week to thank, but I know you're there and I appreciate your contribution. Finally, I want to thank Audible, our sponsor. They've been with us for a really long time. They're wonderful. If you like to read as much as I do, we've got a great deal for you. You can get a 30-day free trial. You get a book that you can keep at the end. That's kind of fun. You know, whether you stay or not, you get the book, but I think you'll stay. I love books and I just love to read. The problem is that I'm busy, I'm traveling, I'm always on the road, and it's really hard for me to focus on a book with my eyes <laughs> when I've been sitting at a computer all day writing, my eyes are tired. So having somebody read a book for me is just wonderful. So that's what Audible provides. They don't just have books. They also have like some short content, some podcasts, a bunch of other stuff, and incredible selection of reading materials. And, and of course, some of the books are read by the authors, which I think is really fun. So if you want to help out and help Audible, help me, etc., Check out our deal, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Again, 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book at the end. Consider helping. Consider helping them, helping me. I'd appreciate that. And thank you, Mike, for being my guest this week on the show. No worries. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll have you on at some point in the future, obviously. But folks, you know we have another show coming next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.